everyone. Welcome to mini episode 76 of Real Life Ghost Stories. Before we start this week, I just wanted to let you know that the last story comes from July the 24th, 2020. And story number one this week comes from Mary. I wanted to share a few stories that I have from working at a very old hotel located in New Hampshire in the US. A quick history about the property. This hotel was built in 1874 and closed in 1982 and left as a rundown building until 1995 when it was planned to be demolished. However, a local group of historians managed to save it after it was featured on America's Most Endangered. Its Victorian era look drew in a lot of attention. This property was then bought in 1997, restored and reopened in 2003. Fun fact, During the time that it was vacant, the 1999 film In Dreams was filmed there. Also, a fire occurred there in the 1960s, destroying some of the stables and dormitories and one person died. This hotel is extremely breathtaking and beautiful, but also still feels haunting and historic. I worked the front desk for just under one year. During the summer, it was very busy and the hotel was always at full capacity. Anything spooky and haunted didn't cross my mind right away. Until one day I was browsing through the computer during my late shift, 3pm to 11pm. This shift is usually slower after check-ins are done for the night. I came across a file called Ghost Log and I was immediately intrigued. I love anything spooky and scary. I read through some of the encounters and thought it was the coolest thing to read some guest and employee experiences. I wanted to hear stories about some of the encounters my co-workers have had from working here over the years. There were many employees who worked at the hotel before it closed in 1982 that came back when it reopened in 2003. One thing that I did notice in the ghost log was that most of the ghost encounters happened in the same guest rooms or area of the hotel. A few days after my discovery of the log, I asked my manager about it and if he had experienced anything while working at the hotel for a few years. He got a little nervous and laughed, saying that he doesn't go into room 501 anymore. Room 501 is located in one of the three turrets the hotel has. It has a separate door and staircase to access it and another suite 601 is located in the same turret. I asked him why and he replied that one day when he was inspecting the rooms as a housekeeping supervisor, he experienced something in 501 that did not sit well with him, and is the reason that he won't come back. My manager, Frank, had to inspect the turret suites after a housekeeper finished cleaning them. He walked up the stairs to the two suites ready to inspect. First, he entered 601. The housekeeper had just finished and gave Frank the okay that the rooms were ready for guests. 601 looked perfect. The bed was freshly made with the sheets neatly tucked and the pillows fluffed. The floor was spotless, the mirrors wiped clean and the robes neatly hung in the closet waiting for the next guests to check into the room. Next Frank had to check 501. He opened the door and froze. Every dresser drawer, closet door, balcony door was wide open. Frank was confused. Before he could turn around to go and find and question the housekeeper, he felt a sudden looming feeling rush through his body. He felt like someone was staring at him. He turned around and the room remained empty. 
he bolted down the stairs and into the housekeeper's office. Out of breath, he said the housekeeper responsible for that room to follow him back up there. They entered the room and sure enough, everything was still wide open. The housekeeper looked at Frank and asked why he had opened everything and asked if he needed her to clean things more. Frank asked if she had opened everything and she sort of laughed and said, no, why would I do that? He dismissed her back to the office and he closed everything and quickly left the room. I asked him what he thought about it and he told me that he couldn't explain it. He thought maybe the balcony door being opened would have caused a draft, but the wind couldn't have been strong enough to open the heavy dresser drawers. It just so happened that 501 is one of the rooms mentioned throughout the ghost log. I'd been working at the front desk for about three months when the manager had asked me to work on inventory over the weekends. I'd started spending time training in the back office with the inventory manager, Brianna. Brianna and I were going over room types and training all day. I had mentioned that I hadn't seen any of the guest rooms since I started and it might be helpful to take a look at now transitioning into a role where it would be important to know the rooms. Brianna and I went up to the fourth floor after lunch and we began looking at rooms. The hallways of this hotel always fascinated me. Although they have been renovated before opening in 2003, they gave off an antique old feeling. They were beautiful, but creepy. We approached a suite that was two floors and Brianna opened the door. The bottom floor had a small living room and kitchen and dining area and the top floor had the bedroom and bathroom. In front of me was a huge window with the most spectacular view of the ocean. I could see all the way over the tree line and had the most amazing sight of the bridges and the boats in the area. Rolling in were dark grey clouds that just looked heavy. I walked towards the window just briefly glancing around checking out the room. I stood in front of the window in awe, watching the clouds, when suddenly massive bolts of lightning shot out and a deep low rumble of thunder followed. It was a chilling sight. I could feel Brianna standing directly behind me and I said, Wow, did you see that? And I turned around to find no one behind me and Brianna on the second floor replying, What did you say? I looked back at the window and then back behind me and felt confused. The feeling of someone standing directly behind you is pretty unmistakable and a strong feeling of feeling their presence. I had felt someone standing directly behind me. I just knew it. In my mind, before I turned around, I had thought Brianna was definitely behind me. I felt creeped out. There was no way she could have ran up those stairs that quickly. The lightning struck again and thunder rumbled louder. I walked upstairs to where Brianna was and asked her if she was standing behind me and ran up the stairs. She said, No, I came right up here when we walked in and you walked towards the window. I felt weird. I wasn't sure what to make of it. I brushed it off as she told me about the room and I looked around again. As we headed back downstairs, I had a weird feeling again like someone was behind me following me down the stairs. Brianna was walking ahead of me. We left the room and I told her that I had an eerie feeling in there. She replied that the storm had darkened the sky and it changed the atmosphere of the room. So I shrugged it off and went back to the office. Later I was telling the front desk agent that we toured some rooms and I mentioned the view from the last suite that we saw. He asked what room number. 
Brianna, who happened to be up front with me, said, oh, it was room 438. And the front desk agent said, oh, damn, did you see a ghost? That room was meant to be crazy haunted. I was freaked out. Although I didn't see or hear anything, I knew the feeling I felt, and needless to say, I stayed away from the fourth floor for the rest of my time working there. Lastly, I have a story for you from one of the night auditors who I chatted with frequently when the shift changed over at 11pm. One night I had asked him about if he had ever seen any ghosts during a shift. The night auditors worked from 11pm to 7pm, so it was an eerie time of night. He told me he did have one experience that really freaked him out. Something happened one night in the restaurant. Joe said it was about 2 or 3 in the morning and he hadn't seen any guests in hours. It was also the middle of January so the hotel occupancy was extremely low. Joe was standing at the front desk when he decided it was time for some coffee. He walked out of the side door and started making his way over to the kitchen walking past the windows. He looked into the restaurant It was dark, and all he could make out were the silhouettes of the tables and chairs. Suddenly, he saw what looked like a person run from the back of the restaurant towards the kitchen doors. Joe panicked and ran after it, thinking it might have been a guest. There was only one way in and out of the restaurant, and Joe did not see anyone in there. He was alone. He even called out to see if anyone was going to reply, and no one did. He decided to look at the security cameras from the kitchen and the restaurant and he did not see anybody walking around. This began to scare Joe. He clearly saw somebody run. He heard them run. He sat down in the back office and shook his head. This time of night and working these late shifts can really mess with your head. Especially in a creepy hotel that's almost 150 years old. And story number two comes from Mindy. A few years ago while visiting Key West, my ex and I got into the last ghost tour slotted for that night at 10.30pm. It was our first night on the island and I've always found that ghost tours are a fun and informative way to find out about the area that you're visiting. The entire tour was the usual run of the mill, with Robert the Doll being the last stop at Martello Museum, an old fort. When we arrived at the old fort, someone met us outside the gates with a flashlight for the tour guide and led the group through the gates. It was an overcast night, so there was no light from the moon illuminating the way, which left the grounds particularly dark. Before we got to the room where the doll was, the tour guide gave the group a general set of rules of engagement when we saw the doll. She said that everyone must acknowledge him and ask him if it was okay to take his picture before taking it, and also don't be disrespectful to him. My drunk ex decided that none of these rules applied to him, and decided to take pictures of Robert without asking, and then jeer and mock the doll after. I apologised to the doll for his behaviour and we left. The tour ended and we were dropped off a few blocks away from our hotel. It was around midnight, when we started walking back to our hotel. The tourist strip was well lit, but as we made our way to the street our hotel was on, it got significantly darker. We started walking down this road that was illuminated sparingly with streetlights. We heard footsteps behind us. 
but every time we turned around, there was nothing there. My still-drunk ex said that it was our footsteps echoing since the street was empty and narrow. Being a female with a drunk male, I thought we were being followed for a potential robbery or something of the more sinister type. I picked up my pace, and as we passed under each streetlight, it would go dark just as we passed under it. At first, I thought it was just a coincidence, but as it continued to happen, my ex pointed out that the tour guide had mentioned that the island had regular power outages. I'd never seen an outage that happened in this manner, but I just sped up my pace. The footsteps, which quickened in pace as we did, and streetlight outage continued until we got to the hotel door that I had ran to at this point, and it required a key to unlock it to get inside. I was panicked now because we could still hear the footsteps coming towards us, and I was fumbling with the key as the street was now in total darkness and my drunk ex attempted to shine his phone flashlight onto the door so I could see to unlock it. Just as I managed to unlock the door and push it open into the lit hallway, the footsteps stopped directly behind us now. There was a cold chill in the air, and I felt the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Then the power went out in the hotel. We rushed to our room, got inside and slammed the door shut. As we were both standing at the door, we both released a deep sigh of relief. Only to hear footsteps running across the wooden floor deeper inside our room. With the security lights ever so dimly illuminating the room, we both saw the foot of the bed sink down as if someone had just sat on it. And then we heard it. The most terrifying sound any ghost enthusiast would never want to hear. The sound of a small child giggling. That was it. I screamed my head off and darted out of the room faster than a man on fire. I felt this cold rush of air behind me as I slammed into another guest in the hallway, screamed some more and then the power came back on. I apologised to the guests for my crazy behaviour and reluctantly went back into the room. When we both looked at the bed, there was a small indentation at the foot of the bed as if a small child had been sitting there. Needless to say, I forced my ex to go back to the museum the next day and apologise to the doll. To give you some context, I do not drink so I was not intoxicated. I'm a scientist by profession so naturally I attempted to explain this all away. However, as the years went on, this experience stuck with me. I'm not one for dramatics or a hyperactive imagination. I cannot explain it to this day. But this was the one ghost tour that stuck with me and I will never again visit that doll. And story number three comes from Elliot. This probably isn't as interesting as other stories, but my partner and I have grown quite fond of our ghost, who we've named Pipes, so I wanted to submit something about them. Bit of background, our flat is an old terraced house that used to be a doctor's office back in Victorian times. My partner's parents live upstairs, and he has said that there is a ghostly figure that they see sometimes. It's like an eerie white figure that walks up and down the hallway in the corner of your eye. I never really gave it much thought, until we started having ghostly activity in our flat. Our radiators have always been noisy, but we never paid it much attention. However, one of the first summers here when the radiators weren't turned on for months, it started to freak us out a bit. I've always been a bit jumpy, 
so every little noise that I can't identify can make me a bit anxious. My partner suggested it was a ghost, which I had dismissed. But then one evening, while we were sat in the living room, something happened that changed my mind. We just got a vanilla diffuser that neither of us particularly liked, but it was a present, so we felt like we should use it. We put it on the windowsill next to the dining table. Our flat is a little small, so our dining table and chairs is in our living room. When suddenly one of the chairs started to rock from side to side, very smoothly as if someone's hand was pulling it back and forth. The radiator, despite being turned off, was being very loud. We chatted about it for a while and decided to nickname our ghost Pipes. Later that night I couldn't get to sleep and went to the living room to watch TV. The radiators were creaking and wouldn't be quiet, it was doing my head in and I wondered if it was the diffuser that set pipes off. So I picked up the diffuser and went to get rid of the essential oils inside it when I spilt the oil over the dining table. At that point, the room got colder and the radiators got louder. Pipes clearly did not like the oils. It made this known even further by a sudden noise in the kitchen. When I went to investigate, a plastic bowl was on the floor. The bowl had been on the windowsill and suddenly it was at my feet in the doorway. Ever since we cleaned up the vanilla essential oils and threw out the diffuser, pipes had calmed down and just occasionally make some noises. We chat to it on occasion and have quite a good relationship with it. So long as we respect the ghost's wishes about vanilla. And story number four comes from Amy. I used to tell my friends at the time about the weird goings on at my house, but I was always left jumpy and so scared that my teeth chattered. Now that I'm almost 30, I feel able to share more about this period of time. Before I get started, I believe the hardest part of being a child who was afraid of their own house is that you cannot escape. As an adult, if you choose to move house, you can. As a child, each day can start to feel more like an endurance test of your nerves with no place to relax. When I was around eight years old, my family moved from northern England to a small village in the Midlands, with a population of less than 200 people. The village had no shops or pubs, basically just houses and an old church. So it was pretty isolated and very different to the city lifestyle that we knew. The house was a fixer-upper, but much larger than we had ever been used to before, with a large back garden onto endless fields, and there was even a stable. We used to live near a soap factory up north, and that, paired with other pollution, had meant that I had asthma as a young child. The countryside air felt like an enormous relief in comparison. On top of that, the price was an absolute steal, so my parents jumped at the chance of moving in. The move had taken longer than anticipated, and we had been told by the estate agent that that was because one of the homeowners had died during the selling process. They were elderly, so I assumed this was of natural causes. Sad, of course, but nothing too concerning, or even possibly related to the story. Our first day in the house, I walked into my new bedroom for the first time. It was huge. My old room had housed my single bed and a small chest of drawers, This bedroom was the size of a double garage. My sister had already decided that the other bedroom was hers, so this by default was mine. 
I was excited to look around and although it was light outside, I switched on the light. As soon as I did, countless small shadows began to dance across the floor, as if a bag of rats had been emptied into the centre of the room, running wildly and quickly towards the walls. As soon as they appeared, they were gone almost immediately. I ran from the room and explained what had happened to my parents, but no matter what, we could not recreate what happened. And needless to say, I was now balls out terrified. We then discovered downstairs that something had been left in the house by the previous owner. In a cupboard, there was a small velvet bag of very old coins, a costume jewellery ring and old photos in an album, a very random collection of items. We quickly realised that the old photos were taken of the previous owner who had passed away and their horse in the back garden by the stables. Why hadn't these been taken? They were the only thing left in the house, all in a neat pile in one cupboard. Could it have been that they were left there by accident? The stables seemed to have been used as storage for a while, and there had been something left in there too. It was an old Victorian-style wooden school desk. You know the ones where the seat is attached. There were tons of etchings in the top, and it had clearly been very well used over many years. Why was this left too? Over the next few years, there were many instances of unexplainable things happening. Generally, photos falling off walls and windowsills, but I only ever had one official sighting. I was in my sister's bedroom, sat on the floor drying my hair in a mirror that was propped against the wall. My sister's room was long. We'd been told that it should have been two bedrooms when the house was originally built. So there were two windows and the part of the wall where the bedrooms should have been separated. My sister had a long floor-length mirror. My sister was in the shower. However, as I was drying my hair, I saw her walk past me towards the end of her room, the end which had no door. I switched off the hairdryer to ask her a question and no one was there, and I could now hear that the shower was still on. I had only seen the bare feet of someone walk past in the reflection, as I was so close to the floor, and the way I was drying my hair meant that I wasn't looking high enough to see anything else. But then why would I? As far as I was concerned, this was my sister walking behind me to her bed. It wasn't like I was paying much attention, and I'm actually glad of that. Could it have been my imagination? It certainly didn't feel like it at the time, but it is always a possibility. Finally, the scariest moment happened about nine months before we left the house for good. I was 12. My sister was 15 and our parents had recently split up and the house would soon be sold. It was a cold night in winter and it was just my mum, my sister and I in the house. There was a power cut so we all decided to sleep in my mum's bed. As we were lying there trying to sleep, we all heard a huge thud. Loud enough that we felt it. It was like a truck had hit the house. Terrified, my mum gets up, grabs a torch and leaves my sister and I in bed, desperately listening to what is now the deafening silence in our house. A little while later, my mum returns and tells us that a large rug had fallen over in the loft, so we finally fell asleep. My mum had always tried to explain away any of the strange stories of what had happened while we lived in the house. However, Once we left, she very willingly explained that she also found the place unsettling. She shared a story of how when my dad, 
who was someone who does not believe in the paranormal at all, was at home alone one day, the stereo turned itself on downstairs, and apparently he never felt comfortable being home alone after that. My mum finally explained how the night of the power cut, she could find no explanation as to what had made that huge bang, and I am open to any suggestions. I still have dreams about the house, but they are not ones I enjoy, and I wonder if the next owners have felt anything weird there. We stayed in that house for maybe five or six years in total and I hated every time I was at home alone and I never felt relaxed. All in all, I was so relieved and happy the day we finally moved out. Thank you so much to Mary, Mindy, Elliot and Amy for your stories. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to learn more about us, you can find out everything you need to know on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can also send your own spooky story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week.